0: Open your Bible, please, to Psalm 119, the 119th Psalm. We have some worksheets if you would like to have one to follow along in the lesson tonight. And so if you did not get one, but you'd like one, raise your hand and maybe one of our ushers could uh, give one to you. And we have a need up here in the front. All right, very good. How many had a good day at work today? How many didn't have a very good day, and so you're really glad you're here in church tonight? Okay, we understand that. Well, I had a good day today. We went to Costco. We drove an hour north of here. I forget what town up in Duluth. Is that a town? Straight north of here. Went through the country. We didn't go on the interstate and drove up there and went all the way up to Costco. And when you say, for what? Because... Today we're celebrating our 48th anniversary and I wanted to spend high dollars to please that lady. And quite frankly, more than she would like a steak, we both liked their hot dog and Coke for $1.50. And so today we both got a hot dog and a Coke. Spent three bucks today. Cost more in gas than it did to eat, but it was a wonderful day. What a gorgeous day it was, and the countryside is just gorgeous. And so, yeah, we had a good day, but I love being in the house of the Lord. Amen? Now, tonight I'm going to teach a lesson that is not real popular. Can I just say that? And your pastor has given me full liberty to teach and preach, so if I mess things up while I'm here, he will clean things up when, uh, when he gets back. And so I'm just going to try to increase his workload a little bit. And I'm going to cover a subject that once upon a time was the main subject in the average fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James-only red-letter edition, no fun Baptist church. But in the last decade, maybe even two, we're almost afraid to even mention this subject. And so, if you'll allow me and not have preconceived ideas, I'm going to teach a little bit tonight and even next Wednesday night on this subject matter. Tonight, I'm going to teach on the need for standards. But in so doing, I'm going to teach you the weaknesses of standards and the misunderstanding of standards. And then next week, I'm going to teach you how to build your own standards from the Word of God. I taught this at a teen camp years ago, a couple years ago. And as soon as I mentioned the subject matter, every pastor, every youth director went into shock. We had to call in paramedics to bring them back to life. It was like, oh, please don't go down that street. The teenagers... When they understand the scriptures concerning standards, they absorbed it like that. You know, if they know Jesus as their Savior, they want to please God every bit as much as their mom and dad or any other adult in the church. And so I'm going to do my best to walk through it, teach it a little bit. And if you already know it all, great. You can say amen or go to sleep. If you go to sleep, just don't snore. That might be rude, even though it would probably be music. Not the symphony of prayer, but the symphony of snoring right here at Canaan Baptist Church. How many have found Psalm 119? All right. It's the longest chapter in all the Bible. In fact, this one chapter is about the same length as the book of Philippians or the book of Ruth, some of the smaller books in the Bible as well. 176 verses. This song is sung on Rosh Hashanah, the first, the new year for the Jew. Its emphasis is on the Word of God. And those of us that are saved, we understand the value and the power of the Word of God. Sometimes we take it for granted, sometimes we neglect it, but every one of us that know Jesus Christ know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we can't live without this book, because this book is what germinates faith, and we can't please God without faith, and so this book is vitally important for every one of us that names the name of Christ. Now, I'm going to read Psalm 119, we'll commence in verse number 9, and most of you are very familiar with this passage. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. And I want to draw your attention to the last seven words of verse number nine. Taking heed thereto according to thy word. And tonight I want to teach a little bit on this subject matter. Staying clean in a dirty world. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach a little bit tonight, and maybe even preach. And though I may not raise my voice as often as I would in a sermon when I preach, the subject matter will seem like preaching at times. I pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Help us not to have preconceived ideas. Help us not to be prejudiced, to judge something before we learn the facts I pray that we'd be open and willing to be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray and ask. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love driving a new car. I probably won't be driving a new car as often as when I was pastoring. When your income drops 70% in one year... You're starting to take care of your older car a little bit more than you did before, knowing you were going to trade it in. I love driving a new car. Just the smell of the new car, that new car smell. Everything runs well. Nothing breaks down. The car is clean. and shiny. And I always drove a black car. To me, there's nothing sharper than a clean black car. But there's nothing uglier than a dirty black car. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? I mean, and then in the winter, especially with salt in Chicago, I mean, it would make a beautiful car look horrible so quick. You get it washed up, looks good again. Well, it's a little like the Christian life. You first get saved man, everything smells good, looks good, feels good. It's all good. But then you go down the life's path. You pick up some dirt. You pick up some dust. And Before long, you need a good washing. That's why the good book says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no reason for any believer in this room to live in sin. There's no reason for any of us that name the name of Christ to be tainted by sin. When we we fail, when we disobey God, don't put it off. Humble yourself before God quickly and ask God to forgive you of your sin. You say, well, I did that yesterday. It doesn't, if you need to take a shower every day, then you need to take one every day. If you're one of those people that need to take several showers a day, please take a shower several times a day. And so it is spiritually. Get it cleaned up ASAP. With so much emphasis on COVID, I even hate to bring that up. I mean, we've heard, so much about COVID and to the point where I'm developing a negative attitude and then then I got all excited because I heard that Pfizer's coming out with a punch card that after you get your 10th booster you get a free subway sandwich and <laughs> wow that sounds pretty good so I make that up okay I don't <laughs> believe that We live in a culture today, not just in America, throughout the world, whether you agree with it or not. It's accepted for people to wear masks. You may not, and obviously most in this auditorium are not. But let's be realistic. You go to the store, we went to the store, and still can't believe how many people wear masks. Wear masks in their own car when they're by themselves. Now, no offense to you all, but man, I don't want to smell my breath. And if I have to sit in my car by myself and wear a mask, just shoot me now. <laughs> just, that's going to kill me, I think, quicker than the other. Do you know what's more damaging than COVID? Do you know what's more divisive than COVID? Do you know what's more Deadly than COVID? Sin. And yet we live in a world that thinks you're weird if you have a mask on, a spiritual mask, standards. And we're not talking about something that someone manufactured somewhere and has been blown way out of proportion, sin will take you to hell. That's pretty serious. Sin will mess up your life. It will hurt the people that you love the most. Sin brings forth death. There's nothing good about sin. You say, well, the pleasures of sin... If you're into pleasures, there's plenty of other pleasures you can enjoy in life. Are you with me? Amen. If that's your God and you want pleasure to be the God of your life, there's other pleasures out there that won't destroy you like sin does. And today, even in churches, we don't like to use the word sin. So let me, uh, let me just... Call it whatever you want. I'm just using the word that's in the Bible. What does sin mean? Well, it's it's an archer's term used in the sport of archery. And they would, the man would pull the bow or lady would pull the bow back and fire that arrow. And when that arrow fell short of the target, the referee, the judge, would raise a card and say, sin. You missed the mark. Right. Amen. That's the root meaning of the word sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you've got another word that you want to use for it, fine. Use the word that you're more comfortable with. But make sure the meaning of it is the same as what God's meaning is. Otherwise, your best attempt in life is going to fall short of the mark. Fall short of perfection. Fall short of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't make it to heaven unless you hit that mark. And none of us in this room will ever live a sinless life. Sin sin will mess us up. And so we need help in our life. I think in your notes, how many of you got notes and some of you are struggling already because you're thinking, did I miss? You got to fill in the blanks or you're you're not going to hear the sermon. So the first (laughs) blank you want to fill in there is responsibility is required responsibility is required I'm going to presume tonight that those of you that name the name of Christ that are truly born of the spirit of God that are saved by the blood of the lamb that you have a new nature and that new nature desires to please your heavenly father if I have to be a gospel cheerleader to try to get religious people to live a good life I'm in the wrong business I'm a preacher of the Word of God, and I'm preaching to those that name the name of Christ. Now, there might be some here tonight that don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Well, you're going to be introduced to how Christian life ought to look like. Because not everyone that says they're a Christian is a Christian. Saying you're a Christian is different sometimes than being a Christian. Now, in our text, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? There is a responsibility indicated here. It's not a rhetorical question here. He didn't say wherewithal could a young man cleanse his way. It's not a hypothetical question. It's not a rhetorical question. God is saying this is something a young man should do. And that is keep clean stay clean in a very dirty world. We live in a day where people, they just blame everybody else. Now, trust me, understand, we can trip one another up. That's called a stumbling block. I may cause my wife to sin. I may cause a friend to sin, but I can't make them stay in sin. Does that make sense? Somebody may trip you up, but it's your choice whether or not you stay there. You can ask God to forgive you, but most of us spend our time blaming the person that caused us to fall. You that are into sports, you know as well as I do, generally speaking, the referee will throw the flag on the second person that threw the punch. The first one usually is unnoticed. And so it's the second man that gets busted truth is, so it is in the church of the living God. Sometimes someone causes you or trips you up and you fall and you get mad at the person rather than asking God to forgive you of your sin. And what happens so many times, we just live in that sin because actually if the truth were known, you like it. And then you got someone to blame liking it we need to assume responsibility it it takes it takes work secondly resources are needed wherewithal you know the word wherewithal in the noun form it means that you have the wherewithal you have what the means necessary to do it Um, if you can't afford a car a new car that means you don't have the wherewithal And so when God says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, we got to have what it takes to stay clean. Every man in this room that has tools will tell you the number one enemy to power tools, any kind of tool, is dirt. You got to keep it clean. You got to keep your engine clean if you want it to last and to run smoothly. And the truth be known, we need resources. We need help. If you go to Disney World or any place, well, Disney World especially, they say that they have more employees at night than they do in the day. When the park closes at night, halogen lights light up the park and they're cleaning, they're scrubbing, they're painting, they're repairing. And the goal is that the next morning when they open the park, It's like it's never been used before, like opening day. When I came home from a cruise, we went on a Disney cruise, and we couldn't believe it. They parked at port before we got off the ship. They're out there painting the boat. When that boat returned back to Cocoa Beach or wherever it was, Cape Canaveral, it looked like a new ship. They spend money and energy and effort to keep their facilities, their ships, looking new. And if the world can do that, to make a dollar, how about those of us that are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? We need to assume responsibility We need to acquire the wherewithal to keep our vessel clean, like brand new. And that's why standards are important. Now, if you'll allow me, I'm teaching. I know that, and sometimes teaching can be boring, but it won't be boring. If it gets boring, um, pretend like it's somebody else. I want to define some terms tonight. I don't even know what my own first blank is there. A blank is a truth. Oh, I know what that is. Let me give you three terms that get used interchangeably a lot and misunderstood and thus the confusion for a couple of decades in fundamentalism. First word, principle. A principle is a truth that never changes Regardless of dispensation, do you know what a dispensation is? A time period. Otherwise, a truth is a truth. Otherwise, if it was right for Moses, it's right for us. If it's right for the 21st century Christian, then that same truth is right for the 18th century Christian. Or the 1st century Christian. Or quite frankly, Noah. A truth, a principle is a truth that never changes, regardless of dispensation, regardless of location, circumstance, or acceptance. That's very, very important for us to understand. It never changes. The good book says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Malachi 3, 6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Now, the second word I want to address is the word conviction. A conviction is a truth that I believe and, are you ready to fill in the blank? Govern my life by. A conviction is a belief in a principle that I govern my life by. Convictions are not something we agree with, but live by. Saying you're a Christian with sincerity doesn't make you one. Living by faith means you are a Christian. Faith in the principles of God's Word. A conviction is when I believe in my head and my heart a principle of God's Word. In fact, the truth be known, a lot of us fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James-only, red-letter edition, no fun Baptists, we like to boast that we are men and women of conviction, implying that we have many convictions. But when you understand what a conviction is, it'll make you realize we may not have as many convictions as we think. Because it's not just agreeing with a truth, it's governing my life by that truth. Does not the book say, the devils believe and they tremble? It's not just agreeing with a fact or a principle, it's governing my life by it. But even those who govern their lives by principles they still understand the weakness of their flesh. The songwriter put it this way, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. And the truth is, a man that has convictions, he understands the weakness of his flesh. And because he loves God more than he loves himself, he will build standards into his life to protect his convictions. Does that make sense? Those standards aren't mandated on him. He willingly, of his own volition, desires and builds those standards. To protect his convictions because he knows that at the right time, at the right moment, with the right person, he is capable of falling. And so he builds standards in to help protect himself. So what is a standard? A standard is a wall of protection. Those are the two words you want in those blanks. Wall, protection. A standard is a wall of protection to help a man maintain his convictions. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 19. Exodus 19, I got to talk faster. Exodus 19, and I may go on whether you're there or not. Exodus 19, I'm going to read verse 12. God speaking. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not in hand touch it, but he shall be surely stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. You understand the story here. I'm just reading two verses, but you understand Remember, Moses is going to go up to meet with God, and God said, just you. And I don't want the others coming up with you. In fact, I don't want them to even touch the mountain, because if they do, they're going to die. Are you with me? You remember that? If you remember that story, say amen. Amen. So what did Moses do? He put up a boundary, a wall of protection, a standard, if you please. Why would he do that? Well, because he understands that some might be careless. Some would just plain forget you know how absent-minded we are. We're so busy. we got busy schedules. We got, it's not like the only thing I do is sit around and read my Bible all day. i got a job. i got to drive. i got to do this. i got to do that. Yes, I'll meditate on Scripture, but for crying out loud, I get preoccupied from time to time. And so Moses said, okay, I understand those kind of people. So we'll put up a boundary around there. And what it will do is it will remind them, hey, you don't want to go any further than this. He, he understood that you're going to have some that are going to argue. You know how it is, people in the church. Well, who is he to tell me I can or cannot do this? Where does it say that in the Bible? It'd be like the same the Israelites. Okay, where does the mountain end and where does it start? This is level ground. How do you know it's not ground and not part of the mountain? And so they're going to be trying to explain why they want to go further. And then you just have people that they're just complainers. And Then you have carnal people. they are just people that, I mean, for whatever reason, they just want to buck the system. Moses, who's he? He's just, man, he's old. Besides, isn't he the guy that killed an Egyptian long time? Who is he telling us what to do? And so God sets up a boundary. Now, was there any law about not touching the boundary? God didn't say how tall it had to be, how thick it was, what color to paint it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it. Like he said, don't even touch the tree in the Garden of Eden. Are you you thinking with me? That fence, that boundary, that wall of protection, that standard was for man's benefit. It was to protect them so that they would not violate what God said. Because if we violate God's word, the consequences are great. So the standard was set there to help them. Are we together? Do we understand the difference between the three? A principle is a truth that never changes. Regardless of dispensation. I mean, just think about it. Standards are not principles. Do you understand that? Standards are not convictions. There's a difference. Standards have changed. They've changed in my lifetime, but just over the course of American history, let alone world history. Do you realize your great-great-grandmother would think most women in this church are hussies by the way you dress? And that's the word they would use. You know why? Because you show your leg from the knee down. But today, we think that's modest. Right? I'm making you nervous. I'm just trying to make you think. Standards have changed. They're not the law. A principle never changes. Now, the scripture is real clear on what parts of your body you should reveal or should not reveal and a longer dress is a standard to protect it but it's not the principle a standard can change in geography you know a couple well a couple of decades ago the young people will maybe chuckle maybe not there was a time where Um, we'd preach that if a woman wore pants, she was a hussy. I'm just using the word my my great-great-grandmother would use. I'm afraid to use what the Bible uses. It's really strong and can be offensive. But do you know over in Hong Kong, a woman that wears a dress... And no pants is a prostitute. It's very convenient for their vocation, if I can be so blunt. Whereas in America, in our fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James-only, no fun Baptist churches, we'd preach that if a woman put on pants, she was certainly not spiritual. I'm intentionally trying to make you think. Now, when I come back around, you're going to want to dress modestly. So stay with me, those of you that are panicking. For you young people that are looking, yes, free at last, free at last. Well, if you want to be a servant to the flesh, you can think that way. I'm just trying to get you to understand there's a difference between standards and principles and convictions the truth is you can have standards and no convictions some of the most wicked people that were members of our church i'm not doubting their salvation so don't i'm not their judge but some of some people living the most wicked lives had some of the highest standards Boy, they had the right haircut, the right dress, the right music. And not only that, but they were angry about it if you didn't. But you can build a hide wall. And you can hide behind a high wall. Does that make sense? Otherwise, I'm trying to get you to see there's a difference between standards, convictions, and principles. Principles never change. Convictions change based on your faith and walk with God, where you govern your life by the Word of God. And the more you grow in grace, the more convictions you will have in your life. And I want to remind you, there isn't a man in this room or a lady in this room that you look up to that it's automatic for them. You look at him and say, wow, I wish there could be a great Christian like him. He has to fight sin as much as you do. You look at the woman in this church that you'd say, she's the proverbial 31 woman. She has an old nature that wants to sin and she has to fight sin just as much as you do. difference is she chooses to do so. If you are a man or a woman of conviction, you will have standards in your life standards change. Back, I was saved at the Akron Baptist Temple, Akron, Ohio. My preacher, Dr. Dallas Billington, he used to preach against bowling alleys. That if you went to the bowling alley, you surely could not be right with God. Now there's church leagues in bowling alleys. I remember I went to a fellowship meeting with my dad. I wished, I wish everybody could meet my dad. He was the most incredible and intelligent man I ever knew. So witty. First student at Baptist Bible College to graduate with a 4.0. I mean, he was just incredibly smart, so humble. The, the only thing that I could ever think, I don't think it's a negative thing. He was just, he was, um, he could model for GQ magazine. I mean, he just was sharp in his appearance all the time. And I remember when he bought a Pierre Cardin suit. Now, some of you old timers, you remember that label. That's back in the day. Pierre Cardin, that was, mm. and I mean, it was bone colored suit. He was so pleased with it. He didn't even wear it to church on Sunday. He saved it to wear it the first time to a fellowship meeting, to a preacher's meeting. So as humble as my dad was, I think there may have been a slight streak of pride in there. I don't know, I'm just jokingly, because if, if he could hear me, he'd straighten me out on that one. But he wore it for the very first time at the fellowship meeting. And that night the preacher was preaching away to preachers and I mean he was waxing eloquently against the gay agenda and homosexuals and and all of a sudden he said and some of you preachers you promote homosexuality in your own church. You dress just like them. Some of you preachers out there you big name preachers. You probably have one of their suits on. How do I know that they they don't have a pocket in the rear backside? They only have one pocket It's on the right side. I watched my dad because I had curiosity about that. My dad was holding his Bible and he shifted it over to his right hand. Put his hand down to reach back there to find he did not have a left rear pocket. Now, that preacher in the pulpit just said that my dad was gay. I'm telling you, I was looking at his face. He was anything but gay. He was not a happy man. Now, we can chuckle, but when you start preaching standards as doctrine... You know what's going to happen? Or do you know what has happened? Case in point. This isn't hypothetical. This is a true story. Girl told by her dad and mom her whole life that if she wore pants, she was a harlot. She was inviting boys into her life intimately. She was trying to get attention that way. And that's the kind of behavior she wanted to pursue in life. I'm saying it with respect to the audience that we have. But a lot more blunter and cruder were the words of her parents. She, she grew up her whole life believing that. She went to college and found that her roommate got up every day without being told, read her Bible for an hour every day and was on her knees in the dorm room praying. Her roommate led souls to Christ. Her roommate had a joyful spirit, loved everybody, but her roommate wore pants. And she was comparing her life with this girl's life who had the joy of the Lord, was winning souls of her own volition, reading her Bible, meditating, had prayer life, was just what you and I would say is a picture of a joyful Christian. And then she went and asked her pastor where it was in the Bible that if she wore pants, that she was an immoral girl. And that girl was so hurt, she left her fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James-only red-letter edition Baptist Church, angry. You say, well, she shouldn't have. I understand. But not only did she jump over the wall, she went and touched the mountain had to suffer the consequences of sin before years later she forgave her parents, forgave her preacher and understood the difference between standards and the commandments of God. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with standards but don't Teach them as principles. Yeah, amen. And quite frankly, if you're truly a person of conviction, you ought to be able to adapt to anybody's convic- or, uh, standards. Yeah. No problem. Well, let's go to Pensacola College and, and walk on pink sidewalks and blue sidewalks. That's the rumors. I don't know that that's true. I doubt that. But you know how they exaggerate all the rules at fundamental colleges, whether it's Heartland or West Coast or wherever. They they just can't have fun. That that shouldn't bother anybody that's committed to following the Lord. And if they understand what standards are for, well, that's a little higher wall than I need. Think of it. We had men in our Bible college that already served in the United States Army and some served in the Marines, and they come and have these standards. They're, taught, they're treated like 12-year-olds. Why would they even submit to those kind of standards? Because they understood standards are to help keep conviction. I don't need that high of a standard. I can handle it, though. I get it. That's not a problem because I understand what we're trying to do. And quite frankly, the more people you have, the higher standards you got to have. Now, this might be a shocker and I might get kicked out of the church and I probably should wait till the end of the month to tell you. But I've never thought it to be a sin for a guy to wear shorts I wear shorts, even in Chicago. It's just wear shorts to my knees. I've had preacher friends, best friend of my dad, preach against men wearing shorts and girls. But men can't wear shorts. (laughs) You serious? It's okay for my wife to reveal her leg from the knee down but if I reveal my leg from the knee down and you struggle with that, you've got a bigger problem than what you realize. Amen. Amen. That same preacher, I, I'll never forget it. He got to go on vacation. They, were, they didn't have much money. And for them to get to go on vacation was a real treat for them. And he was my dad's Very best friend. They were just polar opposite, but my dad loved him because he was just so brutally honest. He just told, I mean, there was no smoke screen. He just was, even if my dad didn't agree with me, he just appreciated his honesty and his forthrightness. And he he said he got to go to Florida. So he was going to meet my dad for lunch. And my dad said, Hey, Bruce, I'm going to go meet so and so for lunch. Do you want to go with us? I said, Yeah, I don't know. He said, Yeah, he's going to tell me all about his vacation to Florida. I said, Yeah, I'd like to go. (laughs) I'm curious. I got some questions to ask. So he got in the restaurant and he's telling my dad how much a great time it was. He said, Man, incredible. I said, Did you get to see the ocean? He said, Oh, man. Nothing like it. The roar, of the waves and the surf. It just does something. I said, did you feel the water? And he said, oh, yeah, we, we went out in the water. And it, I said, was it cold? Oh, no, it wasn't cold. And I said, uh, I mean, did you just put your toe in? He said, no, I got out there. And I said, did you have shorts on? I mean, and all of a sudden he straightened up and he said, nobody knew me there. I just robbed him of his joy of vacationing. (laughs) Did you have shorts on? Nobody knew me there. Now, I'm not being mean or mocking it. I'm just trying to help an audience to see. There's nothing wrong. If you don't want men to wear long shorts and you want to wear long pants, fine. But don't say that it's in the Bible. because then you're going to have others that are going to throw out the rest of the Bible needlessly. There's a difference between convictions, principles, and standards. But I will conclude with this. We have to have standards. If we're going to maintain convictions. I think I'm probably as good of a Christian as anyone in this room, probably better. But I have to have standards in my life to protect my convictions. There's days that I get ornery. I know it's hard for you to believe. There are days that I don't feel spiritual. There are days that I think, is it really worth it? My word, who really gives a flip? And if I don't have standards built in, it would be easy for me to run amok and not even enjoy it because I'd be convicted of the Holy Spirit. You know I speak the truth. So we have to have standards. That's the wherewithal. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? We have to have the word of God that cleans us up. But we also need something to help us to maintain our cleanliness. No sense in cleaning up if we can avoid getting dirty, true? You can just wash up the dirty parts. You don't have to take the full shower. We need standards. So next Wednesday night, I want you to think a little bit about the standards that you have and be thinking in your mind the scriptures that support having those standards. But more importantly, this is a mental exercise as well as a spiritual. Consider what conviction you're trying to protect with your standards. Are you with me? Otherwise, you must really believe something to inconvenience yourself from time to time to protect that. Uh, I don't go to movies, but some Christians do go to movies. Does that make them less spiritual than me? They may be less spiritual before they ever attended a movie. Some people won't go to a movie, but they watch some pretty, pretty incredibly dark stuff on their TV. And they may not be a stumbling block to others, but they themselves, they think that's the whole thing of what we watch. You know, I only watch PG-13. And well, I watched PG-13 before 1967 or whatever year the PG ratings changed. And I think when we get to heaven, God's not going to say, did you watch PG-13 movies or R-rated movies? I think he's going to ask the average Christian, why did you waste so much time watching any movies? But here in America, we're trying to push the boundaries as close to the mountain as we possibly can to take in more of the world when in reality, if we draw nigh to Jesus, he'll draw nigh to us. Oh, I love turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I love that phrase. It says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You won't even have to try. You just focus on Jesus. And the world loses its appeal. Yes. Amen. That's, right. yeah. Amen. Amen. That's why the book is so important. That's why we ought to be in the book. Amen. You're reading First Corinthians 13, and today was what? Verse number 3 giving. Boy, that's that's a tremendous chapter. We need charity. How are we going to get that in our life? Getting in the book. Amen. And let that book get in us. I think tonight, I don't know if you normally have a Wednesday night invitation. Sometimes at a church we do, sometimes we don't. So I... But I think it would be an appropriate time to recommit to cleaning up our lives. To recommit to staying clean in a dirty world. And next Wednesday night, I'm going to teach on how to build the standards or the walls of protection to guard certain principles and it'll be, uh, i want some feedback next week. So come prepared to think and to speak to me a little bit. And I think it'll be a very beneficial time. And not only that, it will help you to teach your young people, your kids and your grandkids how to build standards to protect them. We're not trying to limit them. God isn't trying to keep us from enjoying life. Just the opposite. And if we teach standards the way God uses them, it helps young people and carnal Christians and new converts to have an appreciation. And once they get burnt once, everyone in here. has has been burnt at least once. You didn't think God really meant it and you tried it and you got busted. God didn't bust you. God tries to keep you from sin because sin will hurt you so badly. And so that's, that's the message for tonight. Stay clean in a dirty world. And the world is dirty. But we are commanded to be holy. Separated from. Separated unto God. Let's stand to our feet and let's pray for one another. Not just our own selves, but for our family, for our church. That there be a recommitment, a zeal for Holiness and cleanliness and not that we are better than anyone else. That's not not what we're trying to do. We're not looking down on other other families and other Christians or other churches. We just want to stay clean so that God can use us and bless us. Father, I don't know that I made any sense tonight. But I sure hope that your Holy Spirit took something from your word tonight to help us to resurrect that desire and passion to stay clean in a dirty world. God, help us to see the value of standards. Bless this church. What a blessing this church is And I pray that you would revive our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.